Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, where we're balancing life through health, wealth, business, and relationships. All right, hello everyone. My name is Colton and welcome to another episode of Bridge of the Gap, where I am here as always with my co-host, Miss Trisha Stetzel. Trisha, how are you doing this lovely day? Hey, Colton, I'm good. Hey to all of our amazing listeners. As you might remember, we are really focused on financial wellness for the month of March, and we have a special guest today. So Colton, I am really looking forward to chatting with you today um, about an area that you happen to be an expert in, and I think we're going to have a little bit of fun. Yeah, eight years, nine years now, so it's been a while. But before I start jumping into questions, I got to give a shout out to our sponsor today, uh, Share McKinley Group. I am ready to be interrogated. Bring it on. Okay, I hope you are because I've got some really hard questions for you. So why don't we open with this? What is what's the market outlook right now? Talk to us. Oh yeah, so it's that's actually a really good question right now. So it's beginning of March, um, March second. Right now, so I'm recording this. I want to make sure I do a timestamp. It's very interesting. There's so many things that are going on and a lot of noise. Um, and some of it actually was some of it was silence today, which was nice. Ukraine is a huge thing going on. People are so they just don't know what to expect. Whenever there's like just uncertainty in the world, markets they just go out of control, right? We saw you know a dip 10, 12 percent of the Dow. The Dow's actually it's kind of come back the past you know three days. Um, but that aside, the other big thing was talk about interest rates. So uh, Powell actually came out today and he said that they are, he actually even gave a number, which, you know, you don't really hear. Uh, he said that interest rates are actually going to rise by only a quarter of a percent in March. People were expecting a whole lot higher. Um, so what that did is that took some pressure off the stock market because what happens whenever interest rates go up significantly, people are going to start taking money out of the stock market because they find safer places such as bond CDs, things like that, um, where they have a, you know, it's a safer investment. Um, not as as volatile as stocks are. So, so yeah, a lot of a lot of good news on that front. As far as Russia and Ukraine goes, man, I don't think anybody, I don't even think Vladimir Putin knows like what's going to happen next. So, yeah. we're still going to have a lot of fluctuation. And again, you know, my thoughts and prayers definitely go out to the Ukrainians. I and even the Russians. I, I feel horrible about the whole situation. So that's kind of where we're at. Now, I will say, um, if if everything in Ukraine and Russia kind of gets under control, and once the midterms hit. Um, you know, I think we might see some stability. Some um, economists are still thinking there might be more of a sell-off in the stock market. However, and I'm not making a political statement here, um, you know, it looks like, again, from a lot of polls that Republicans are going to take both the House and the Senate, right? I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good thing, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But what that does is that brings um, some stability. And what I mean by that is th there's really nothing that Biden can do when you have a Republican House and Senate, so really you have a lame duck presidency, and really there's really there's nothing crazy that's going to happen in America. Now, granted, there could be stuff happening outside. So the market likes when things are somewhat predictable. They they like that because the market can then do its thing. People can invest confidently. So you know we'll see what happens. But in the short term, until you know really till January, till actually the the electorates go into office, I. I you just don't know. That's what's crazy. And people are telling you two different things. So it's like, you don't know who to believe and who not to believe. So, um, but yeah, but the positive side is interest rates look like they're going to slowly go up. It's not going to be a big spike. So that is one, one good positive. 
Yeah, that's excellent. Well, and you know, all of that said, and even when we get to the the back end of our discussion today, you know, really thinking about having somebody like you uh, in your corner because you're looking at it constantly, right? And the individual who's got the money invested uh, really needs somebody looking out for their best interests. So I'd like to dive into uh, the definition of fiduciary, because you talk about that a lot. And before I met you, I had no idea. I know y'all don't make fun of me, but I didn't even know there was such a thing. Right. Uh, so let's talk about that and why you should seek out someone who carries that, um, tag, if you will, alongside of them. Yeah. So I have a designation certified financial fiduciary. Um, and this actually ties really well into the previous question you just asked. Um, so with everything going on with the markets being the way that they are, you know, it's not just me, it's not just the other advisors in the office. We have an economist, we have, you know, we have a team looking, um, at the market, right? We work with companies and we have people that, um, we hire to make sure that we're, you know, doing what's best by the client. Um, it's, it's important. So being a fiduciary, basically what that is, that means that I have to have my client's best interest in mind at all times. Um, and I got to make sure that my interests are, are second to that, right? So the best example I like to give, um, you know, if, if there's an advisor showing two different mutual funds, right? Hey, here's mutual fund A, mutual fund B. Um, you know, they if they're not acting as a fiduciary, then they really just have to make sure they're doing what's suitable for you. And what that means is I got to take you to a risk tolerance, figure out what your time horizon is based on that. Both of these mutual funds, hey, they're suitable for you. I can I can tell you whichever one to choose. However, as a fiduciary, on top of that, I also have to tell you how I get paid in each one. Um, you know, which one I think is going to be in their best interest and why that is. You know, still give them an option, but really break everything down. I got to let them know how I get paid, how I'm compensated, all of that stuff. So, working with the fiduciary, you're going to know everything up front because there's a legal obligation. I mean, with my designation you know, we've always kind of done this even before I had the designation, but I mean, you, you are liable to, I mean, how do you go to a court and say, uh, Hey, how's this in their best interest? You know, like that's the very hard thing to, to fight. And that's why we got to, you know, we always, always vet our clients, but also at the same time, make sure that uh, we are doing what's best for what we think is best for the client. Yeah, Um, absolutely. All right. So I bet there's quite a few people out there that wonder how, does someone who's in your industry get compensated? How do you get paid? So a lot of a lot of the way that the market's going right now or the way that people are wanting to invest, it's called fee-based business. And fee-based planning, there's just basically a fee, right? You pay a fee for assets under management. So let's say that you know someone comes in with five hundred thousand dollars, they could charge one and a half percent. Now the cool thing with fee-based planning and business investing and why I like it uh, and why most advisors should do it is because literally you're on the same side of the table with, with your client because the way that I make more money is for my clients to make more money. That's the way that the fee-based relationship works. So it really makes sense because it's a win-win when you're sitting right next to the client. And, and they, they understand that. The other way that a lot of advisors get paid is what's called a commission-based where they just push a product, they push, they push a mutual fund, an annuity, something like that, and they get paid a commission. You know, I've seen commissions... Um, up to five, 5.75%. And again, at the end of the day, like when you're pushing commission products, you're always questioning the back of your head. Was that really, was that really best for me? 
especially if you push a commission product, you have an advisor who five years down the road, you're not getting the service you were at the beginning because they already got paid off of what you're doing. So like, they're probably not necessarily going to be taking care of you. Like again, a fee-based relationship would. So I think fee-based is the way to go. Would you suggest that uh, an individual when they're seeking out someone to work with, that they interview? Oh, I think that's, that's, that's absolutely important. Um, and that's not, that's not too uncommon. And now granted, if you, if you get a referral, usually they're just going to go off you based on, you know, what the referrer said about you, but it definitely is important. And some questions you do need to ask an advisor, um, first you need to understand their philosophy. How do they invest and why do they invest? You need to understand how long have they been in business? There's a great tool out there called uh, broker check. It's put on by FINRA, who's a regulator of, of financial advisors, past, present, um, I guess not future. Cause that's not really possible. Um, but with broker tech, you type, you type in the advisor's name and it'll show you how long they've been in business, all their certifications, what states they're licensed in. Most importantly, it'll show you disclosures. And what that is, is any um, really negative uh, things about them, whether it's a complaint, whether it's a bankruptcy, anything like that. So definitely start there when you're kind of starting the process of who should I work with and go that, that route, because that really will give you kind of a head start and understand who these people are before you sit down in front of them. But when you are sitting down, how do you get paid and what's your investment philosophy? Um, and, you know, is that, that's just, I, I'm a guy of systems, Trisha, as you know, so yeah. really what is the system? But some people don't, don't actually. Well, and, it. you know, I, I would think that this is also uh, very personal to people, right? So it's about sharing values and having the same beliefs, right? The same mm-hmm. type of belief systems. 100%. Otherwise, uh, do we really get along? I mean, if I'm going to, you know, put my put my money or my eggs in a basket, right, for someone to take care of for me, I think that I would want to have a good uh, relationship with them. Cool. So I am, uh, I know you know this about me and some of our past listeners from seasons before, but I'm half a century old uh, this year, and I get to be that two more days this week. And I think about retirement, right? So what, what numbers are you looking at like how much do I really need to be able to retire? And that, you know, people ask that all the time, you know, people think, Hey, I need a million dollars, right? Well, that might be way too much or way too little. Um, it really, and that's, that's again, part of our system. And I think this is also crucial when you're working with an advisor, you got to have a financial plan. You have to put one together because that is going to tell you what is the future outlook? How much money do I need to have? based on your goals, based on your time horizons when you're going to retire, based on the assets that you have. I mean, I think you cannot, again, as the fiduciary here, I don't think you can do best by your client unless you have a plan because that is how you're actually going. That's what you're going to use to justify how you invest. So I'm a big financial plan guy. I think that is so crucial. So there's really no number. It all comes down to what are your spending habits going to be and what's the income that you have coming in. Um, do you need to make adjustments? Obviously, I mean, you got to know, you just can't get to a million and say, Hey, I'm ready to retire. It just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Come on, Colton. Well, and so speaking people, my language, of course, right. You can't do anything without a plan. If you don't have a exactly. plan, how do you know when you've actually succeeded or get to that end result? So uh, how do I know if I'm getting the most out of my social security? Oh, we're going all now. Over. Wait, I'm not, I know. So wait, I'm not that old yet. But I have oh, friends I, that are. I have friends that are. I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, you got a birthday in like two days. So uh, yeah, no, um, that that's a good question. Social security. That's, I'm glad you asked that. Um, 
really, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of uneducation surrounding social security. I mean, how, when to take it, um, survivor benefits, spousal benefits, you know, all these different things. There's, there's, I don't think people understand. They just go ahead and start whenever they want. But honestly, if you look at all the mortality tables, people are living longer. So if it makes sense, you know, people are retiring, you know, 62, 65, usually about Medicare age. So why not wait till 70, right? The husband, the whoever has the higher social security, then wait till 70, then the, the spouse they claim at their full retirement age. Because what people don't understand with social security is that, yes, you, you get it. You, both, you and your spouse both get it. But once one of them passes away, typically the breadwinner is going to pass away because, again, just usually the man of the house, not always, but usually the man, they are the ones that are the breadwinners. And they also are usually older. Uh, and also men's mortality rate is so much lower than women or higher than women. They're going to pass away most likely before their, their spouse. So whenever you're looking at that, if you claim social security, if the, if the, the person that has the most social security benefit claims early, well, whenever they pass away, that's what the spouse is going to receive. Whereas if you wait till 70, you get that benefit plus the step up three years past age 67, 66, whenever your full retirement is, oh my gosh, whenever you pass away, your spouse will then be able to claim a hundred percent of your benefit. They'll lose theirs, but your benefit most likely is higher and they'll, they'll still have that benefit going forward. And this is what's so crucial again about planning, because what people don't understand is that whenever a spouse passes away, what happens, especially social security included, income goes down because you're losing a social security stream, right? But taxes go up because you're no longer a joint filer. You're now a single filer. People don't look at it that way. So there, there's a huge planning need there when it comes to social security um, and really making sure that your spouse is taken care of once you are gone. Um, and that's what we're passionate about. Uh, so yeah, so social security, you got to do planning. You can't just say, hey, four time and age done, I'm going to do it because people are living longer. Yeah. All right. So I want to clarify one thing. I'm the breadwinner and my husband wants to carry my bags. I'm just saying that's what he said. That's what he, that's what he wants his retirement job to be. Hey, it's not a bad, not Carry a bad job. Bags. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, make sure you claim at 70 and then he'll claim at, at a full retirement age. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, I hear plan, plan, plan. You need a plan. Right. You got to have a plan. What, what about people who are out there that they don't have, they don't feel like they have enough money in savings to really approach someone in your industry and say, help me figure out a plan. What if they don't have any money in savings or anywhere yeah. else for that matter? No, of course. And, and that's, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give you a roadmap. And I just want to say when it comes to social security, when it comes to retirement planning, all that stuff, this is not, I'm not giving anyone specific advice. This is just general information. Um, so for example, if you're looking for retirement, if you don't have a lot of money built up, let's say you're 20, 25, you know, and you're, you're wanting to invest first things first, I do not think you should be investing unless you have a adequate savings account. You got to protect yourself with savings. Um, so that's the number you got to figure out three, six months, a year worth of savings. Once you get to that point, Hey, do you have an, do you have an option for a Roth or a, a 401k? If you do, well, Hey, do you have a, do you have a Roth 401k option? If you do jump in that Roth 401k, put up to the match in that, you know, do that. And then the next step, look at opening up a Roth IRA. The difference, the reason why you want to put up to the match in the Roth 401k, we're actually coming up on our time here. Um, just Roth 401k, Roth IRA, 
and then open up um, at that point. Then you want to talk to an advisor to figure out what the next step is. But that's really the way to go. And if you don't have an option, your Roth 401k, take just the traditional 401k because you are getting 100% if you're putting up to the match because they're going to match exactly what you put in. Why would you not do that? No advisor can ever beat it. So that's my last thing I'm going to say. Like talk 9,000 miles a minute. Thank you so much, Colton, for bringing your insight uh, here today and for us to talk about it. I'm looking forward to next week, Trisha, because we're going to talk all about business um, and it's going, to, it's going to be great. So make sure people tune in as we have a special guest uh, and we are going to just dive into the business world and give you some tips and tricks and just fun things to, to understand. Be looking out for the prelude as well on Friday because that will tell you all of our lineup. So we're yeah. looking forward to seeing everybody then. Absolutely. So tune in next week for another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks again for tuning into this week's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with the most important people in your life. Colton Cocker with Sherman McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendswood Drive, Suite 207 Friendswood, Texas 77546, phone number 281-992-5698. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, Inc. Member Finn Recipic. Sherman McKinley Group is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. <laughs>